Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the last Rangeley Capital podcast of the year. Uh, I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangeley. And with me as always, my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, December 21st, and since it's our last podcast, uh, we're going to kind of bring out our crystal balls and try to uh, guess on a couple of big corporate events and actions for next year. Uh, so, Chris, I think that we want to try and guess three things that are going to happen next year. First, uh, we want to call a surprising corporate event that we think will happen. Uh, and then we're going to try to guess a merger that the market kind of has some doubt, uh, an announced merger that the market kind of has some doubts that's going to go through that we think has a better chance of going through. And then our last thing, we'll, we'll talk about the big finance trend that we think is kind of going to dominate 2017. We'll give examples of all of them before we provide examples. And uh, at the end of the conversation, we'll have a little bit of fun and we'll talk about South Carolina trying to block porn on new computers. All right. So, Chris, let's start with our first one. Uh, let's start with a big merger, corporate action breakup that would shock everyone. Uh, two examples, you know, if Apple came and bought Tesla or if Berkshire Hathaway came out of left field and said, hey, we're breaking up and spinning off all our divisions. And uh, why don't you give what your big prediction would be? Your prognosticators often talk about their crystal balls and say something like, well, my crystal balls are getting a little cloudy, which I always thought was kind of this humble brag, kind of implying that they're this perfect crystal <laughs> ball in the past, probably will in the future, but temporarily it's a little cloudy. Uh, I think mine is always cloudy. I think everybody's is always cloudy. But uh, 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 the one that I've been thinking uh, quite a lot about is Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, Warren Buffett and thinking about what he would be thinking about over the next uh, half decade or decade. And I think quite a lot of it involves or would involve Coca-Cola. Uh, I think that uh, his relationship is very deep and will go deeper uh, with uh, AB InBev. And uh, this would be a huge deal for uh, a Berkshire-backed uh, AB InBev acquisition of Coca-Cola. You'd probably change the whole name to Coca-Cola, I'd think. Because uh, it's getting a little long with AB InBev Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that uh, that... that uh, it would be a huge deal, uh, but uh, InBev, uh, Budweiser was a huge deal, and they were able to do that. They're the best operators. They can take costs out of anything. Uh, he has the liquidity, and he would uh, get a little bit uh, closer to eternal life. So so just to clarify, your prediction is uh, Budweiser slash AB InBev yes. buys Coca-Cola with the backing of Warren Buffett, probably yep. rolling his 9% stake yep. in Coke in and paint. And uh, providing financing. You know, I think that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, it's a merger we've been talking about for a year. Uh, next year might be the opportune time. Uh, Coke CEO just left, just uh, announced he's going to retire at the beginning of next year. So turnover at the top kind of can lead to some corporate deals. Uh, Howard Buffett at the beginning of this year, Howard Buffett, Warren Buffett's son, the next chairman of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, he announced a couple weeks ago that he is going to be stepping down from the Coca-Cola board. Could that be a prelude to uh, Warren Buffett making a move and not getting accused of insider trading mm -hmm. or anything? Absolutely possible. Uh, Coke staring at a lot of increased regulation, sugar taxes. We've talked about them on the podcast before. Uh, and, you know, I don't think they've really been up to speed in terms of technology and marketing changes. We've talked about how big CPG brands are having trouble going from TV advertising to online advertising. Uh, I don't know why Coke doesn't have like delivering Coke to your doorstep programs yet. So I think it could make a lot of sense. The only pushback I would have is I wonder if you're a year early. You know, Budweiser just bought uh, SAB Miller in a 
$3 billion deal. Uh, next year, they're going to be integrating that. And would be, would it be a little bit too much to be going kind of coke hunting for $200 billion while you're integrating SAB Miller $100 billion my, deal? My annual uh, predictions are often about a year early. So that yeah. would be, I think, would be right on a schedule. Tons of reasons why it could get delayed. Uh, clearly, it uh, goes without saying their bankers and advisors know each other well. As recently as today, they announced a deal uh, in which was uh, mm-hmm. with the unwinding of a lot of the equity stake that ABM Bev had in Coca-Cola's African assets. Uh, so they can definitely, uh, when nobody's listening, uh, share other conversations and uh, they have each other's names in their Outlook contact list. And, and if, you lo- if you use Kraft Heinz as a blueprint, uh, you know, 3G bought, bought Heinz with Warren Buffett's backing in mid-2013. Then they bought Kraft in early 2015, so about a year and a half between deals. Uh, Budweiser, and now the rumor is they're going after Mondelez mm-hmm. uh, a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. They're going after them, uh, rumor is right now. So if you use that blueprint, you'd kind of be looking late 2017, yep. early 2018. So I, I think it makes it all the sense in the world. It depends what calendar you're using. Exactly. Uh, on, you know, I, I, I go by solstice also. So I kind of, uh, a lot of these kind of modern Gregorian kind of calendar type things, I'm, way, I'm much more old school than that. And so kind of by the solstice calendar, I have a little bit extra leeway. Uh, the other thing I would add is that if you look in the U.S. domestically in terms of regulation, the one place the left is really on the march, you know, didn't work out so well for the White House, the Senate, the House, the state legislature, but in, you know, Portland and San Francisco, they're just crushing it on sugary beverages. And uh, ABM Bev, obviously very international, and so they can really slip in a lot of sugary drinks selling in Latin America, still in Africa, Southeast Asia, uh, where you don't have that little uh, rear guard left motion against sugary drinks. So I- I'm going to throw mine out, and you t- this is one that's also been rumored for a year, and it's uh, Sprint T-Mobile. And I'll give you some background, and then sure. you can kind of throw it. You know, uh, when SoftBank first brought bought Sprint in late 2012, everybody thought the next step was them merging with T-Mobile. They actually asked, asked regulators, hey, can Sprint and T-Mobile merge? And regulators said, no, we will block this if you do it. So that was kind of out, but... With the new regulate, with the new Trump administration coming in, a much more lax regulatory environment, I think this deal is going to be back on. A lot of people on the initial Trump surge kind of said this, and lately I've seen a lot of regulate or a lot of uh, analysts say eh, it's probably not going to happen. But I just think the merger makes too much sense not to happen. And the other thing is, you know, Donald Trump, Trump, he tweeted out that uh, SoftBank's head came and said, hey. Uh, he's going to invest $50 billion into the U.S., and he wouldn't have done that unless we had won. And I don't see how he can do $50 billion of investment without Sprint T-Mobile. And I wonder if this was almost a little cynical, like, hey, we wouldn't have done this. We wouldn't have invested the $50 billion unless you had won because you're the only person who would have allowed us to make this merger. So. And, and the headcount, too. You know, uh, I, I yeah. sound like I'm such a fanboy here because talking about George Paula Lehman uh, at 3G and now uh, with AB InBev and now uh, Masa Sun, who I just think is sensational, who runs uh, SoftBank and controls Sprint. And so SoftBank can really control the whole uh, process in terms of financing and so forth. And the deal would make sense. Deutsche Telekom behind uh, T-Mobile has kind of for a long time, uh, you know, looked for uh, some way to extract themselves fully. Uh, This is a a company I've long been very interested in. I think a deal could cut tons of costs. The new inbound FCC is debating whether they even think the FCC should be in M&A enforcement full stop, uh, let alone blocking this kind of deal. So there's a lot of things in the margin that could be allowed. I think this is one of them. Great. So I I think those are, hopefully we'll see both of those corporate events play out. Let's turn to our kind of Rocky R of 2017 that we think. So 
let's just give an example. This is a, a merger that has been announced already. The market currently doesn't think it will happen, but we think it, there's a higher chance of it going through. An example, we've mentioned the Solar City Tesla merger several times. You know, when we were matching it, Solar City was kind of trading at $18 per share, and Tesla was offering $20 to $21 per share in consideration. So if you bet on the Solar City deal going through, you would have made a very nice uh, return in a month, month and a half, 10, 15%. And that only happens when a, a merger is in doubt. So, Chris, what is your uh, Rocky R merger you think will happen? Um, when I was when I was a kid on car trips, I would bet my little sisters all the time. I would only bet them when I was absolutely certain that I was right. <laughs> and I, I, several times my dad had to pull over and turn around and said, this is not a business. This is a family. And then kind of – which I completely didn't understand his point. Uh, if they wanted to disagree, they could disagree. If I got to take their money as a result, I got to take their money. Um, I don't have anything that's like that. Uh, in the widest of widespreads, uh, a lot of the wide ones are wide for good reasons, at least directionally, if not by order of magnitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might get some flack for saying this, uh, but the Walgreens Boots Alliance, uh, WBA, acquisition of Rite Aid, I think until recently uh, was looking very controversial. Uh, the market has gotten perhaps a little uh, evident over their divestiture package to Fred's. That package has not been approved by FTC staff. FTC staff is a little terse about the whole thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the once and future Rocky deal, it, it had been very wide. It could get wide again before the end. But I think uh, sometime in the first quarter, that deal will get done. You know, I was teasing you before the podcast. I was like... Rite Aid's trading at $8.50. The merger consideration is $9. I think most people think the market's pricing about 90% chance of going through. I was teasing you. Mm -hmm. 90%. Mm -hmm. Come on. But you know what? We have mentioned this before, and I know you've been all over this one enough that I will give it to you. Thank you. Uh, A couple weeks ago, it was trading at 70%. The one thing I wanted to point out here is it's interesting, you know, it was no secret that Fred's was probably going to be the per- the people who picked up this divestiture package. Uh, you know, yesterday it was announced, and Fred's stock went from eleven eleven fifty to twenty dollars per share. Why they're buying uh, a bunch of Rite Aid stores for one point four million per store, while Walgreens is buying all of Rite Aid stores for about four million per store. So the market loves this divestiture package. We've talked several times on the podcast about divestiture packages, but it's just interesting. Everyone knew Fred's was going to get it, and when it's announced the stock's almost a double in a day the uh i've I've long thought of one of the uh strategies that i don't have as a standalone fund strategy it'd be great it would be divestiture financing these are highly time sensitive highly price insensitive sellers you can sometimes practically be given some of the assets if you structure the deal favorably Mm -hmm. uh warren buffett has long been frustrated by huge deals that people do where they're kind of overpaying by a little bit and then they get massively underpaid for the related divestitures they have to do it's like you're creating this arbitrage that other people are exploiting uh, at your expense. Uh, that is absolutely the case here. Great deal for Fred's. Good deal for Walgreens uh, and necessary deal for Whited. I'd like to say if I'm wrong here, there's nothing else I like about the deal other than the deal. Uh, this is not one like in other situations where you think there's a benign downside. Yeah. So I'll just quickly go through mine. Uh, so I, I think Alir Abbott, Alir, uh, their share price is at about $40 per share right now, and Abbott's offering $56 per share to buy them. So the market implied probability of them buy, go, of the deal going through is about 40% right now. And Abbott is actually suing Alir to get out of the deal, claiming a material adverse change in the business. 
Uh, I believe no Delaware court has ever let someone off on a Mac material adverse change, but Alir and Yahoo, which we talked about yesterday, are really going to test the limits of uh, the Delaware courts if these things do go to court. And deals uh, have been abandoned for it. They have been abandoned, but they're really going to test the limits if this goes all the way through. But I think what's going to end up happening, I think this merger makes sense. I just think it's Alir has performed a lot worse and there's been a lot of issues. I think they're going to come through. They're going to split the difference. And I think Abbott is going to cut the price they're buying Alir from 56 to probably mid 45s. And this deal is going to go through at a lower price next year. Uh, but, it, you know, right now the market's got a very small chance it goes through. I think it will happen at a lower price. $47.50 per share. That's your call? Forty-seven fifty. Interesting. We will uh, check on that as well. All right, 2017's big trend. So, you know, what trend do you think will dominate the year? In 2014, oil prices went from 100 to 50 on their way to kind of 30 in mid-2015. Uh, 2016 was probably marked by the massive blowup of hedge funds and specialty pharma players like Valiant and Endo and the big pushback on drug hikes like EpiPen. What do you think the big issue in 2017 is going to be? I think it's the repercussions from ultra, ultra cheap, practically free financing and getting to see all the kind of behaviors that people have even with floating rates, which is insane, but it really happens when uh, you have easy financing as that starts to dry up. So uh, municipalities, uh, LBOs, uh, and uh, Silicon Valley, a lot of you know where you have the kind of easy financing, and then that kind of changes and abruptly changes, uh, even in ways that you'd think would be. Uh, perfect for the market discounting mechanism will have kind of qualitative, deep, important uh, 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 problems right off the bat. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of the mistakes they've made will really uh, come to light. Uh, and it'll be, it'll be hard to change. I think mostly on the government side, you know, when you look at the most extended states, uh, but uh, the, the, the changes from uh, rising rates will not be linear. They'll be, it'll be disruptive. Yeah, on the government side, I definitely agree. You know, on the LBO side, I think it will be interesting because most LBOs do have fixed rate financing in place. You know, it's big bond, it's bonds with fixed rate financing. So it doesn't necessarily affect LBOs that have already been done. It's LBOs that are in process. But I do wonder, you know, we've had a stock market that's really run up while interest rates have been going up. So kind of the push and pull of rising valuations versus slightly higher interest rates, you know, which outweighs the other because rising valuations great for any LBOs in process. Rising interest rates, not so great, but, you know, which one is going to have a bigger effect? Um, and if you're doing good deals, the uh, rising rates should matter much less. Yes. I mean, yes. the math is... Yes. Uh, the, the one I would say is uh, massive volatility returns to the market. You know, the, the VIX is currently trading at 11. If you look, that is almost historical lows. And, uh, and, you know, I think the Trump administration, it's going to take control next year. And it's hard for me not to see an increase in volatility. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying the stock market's going to crash or anything. I'm just saying, you know, if Donald Trump is will, he it's known he's very willing to flip flop his views on things very quickly. His Twitter account, everything. I think his shoot first style is not great for market volatility. I can't help but think 
a big deal is announced, everyone's happy about it, and Trump just tweets something out, out about it, and the whole market panics, you know, trade wars, all that sort of stuff. Just the thought of and, it, I think it creates a lot of uncertainty. And, and as, as events transpire, what are we going to do? I mean, there could be there could be a simultaneous war in the South China Sea and in the Baltic states next year. That would not be that surprising. What our role would be in that would be completely unknown to the markets that day. Yeah, exactly. And that's another... Whose side would we be Yeah, the geopolitical risk. I think very high. And VIX at 11, there's just no risk in there right now. Uh, perfect. I think those are all of our predictions. We'll, we'll see Let's how turn to porn. Let's turn to porn. So uh, I thought we'd end the year on a fun run. A fun one. Uh, Representative Bill Chumley in South Carolina, he filed a piece of legislation that requires computer sellers to install software that blocks porn viewing. Uh, sellers can opt out of the software if they're willing to pay $20 per device. Alternatively, if a buyer gets a computer with the software installed and wants to take it off, they can verify that they're of legal age to watch porn, and then they can pay $20 to have the software review. Uh, I have a feeling neither of us are going to like this piece of legislation, but Chris, I'll give, I'll turn to you for your thoughts first. You know, if they're only getting $20 from somebody who's of age, I think that they could really have a revenue opportunity by making it a larger figure, you know, $80 if you're 12 <laughs> to 18 for kind of that mid-level teenage boy level. I just think that they could get so much more money by a person who, at that demography, they're losing a big revenue opportunity. You know where the other revenue opportunity is? You can give the list of people who've paid it to uh, wives <laughs> And interested others, and you know, a hundred dollars, and we'll tell you if your husband paid to get the porn block removed. Um, at one point, a well-known and highly respected by me uh, a hedge fund manager uh, was discovered on a uh, cheating dating site uh, that he claimed, and I a hundred percent believe him for research purposes. He was on it. Uh, my policy was uh, has been long before that. If you're anything like this, let your wife know. I did let my wife know ahead of time. I was going to be researching this uh, for this podcast uh, and she stopped by the office this afternoon so that was good um, I'd say you know what the definition of porn is I think is infinitely uh, divisible and subtle and the idea that Bill Chumley of the South Carolina legislature should be dealing with this is absurd uh, it seems uh, like it's one more kind of uh, revenue gathering uh, but it's going to be ultra inefficient because which computers are bound for South Carolina is sort of an obscure thing. Clearly, the industry is not based on that state definition. Um, I think that uh, people we were talking about earlier this week are, are infinitely interested in parsing and discussing uh, vices that aren't their personal one, right? And so kind of beating up other people for theirs without really... So I don't know what he's into or not into, but uh, but this seems to be something that's a big focus of his. Um, so it's probably not good public policy and probably not good for South Carolina. You know, the it's also interesting you say $20 and you're like, oh, a computer costs 300 500 But, you know, is your cell phone a computer? Are people going to have to... Are, uh, is Apple going to have to pay $20 if they're willing to sell you – if they're selling you an iPhone or an iPad that doesn't have this software installed? Like, you know, what is the definition of computer? Almost everything's a computer at this point. A car? Cars have more computing power than computers of 10 or 15 years ago do. Do cars need that software? Now, cars are kind of ridiculous. They probably don't have the screen of viewing, but iPad, iPhone, all sorts of stuff, you know. How are they going to define this? It's just an absolutely ridiculous rule, clearly designed to – pander to some really right-wing religious soccer moms. I don't know, but it, it's awful. Uh, last thoughts, and then we'll wrap it up for the year. 
Uh, I would like to disclose that I have nothing to disclose about internet porn. Uh, also, that I am long T-Mobile, Rite Aid, and Allure. Uh, and was briefly uh, long not enough uh, Fred's, but no longer. Okay, uh, let's see. Disclosures. I, I think the only one we mentioned today, I'm long, is Rite Aid, to be honest with you. Uh, great. So that's all the time we have for this year. Uh, just before we hit we just hit our final disclosure. So just a reminder... Uh, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audio Boom. Hope you guys have a happy holidays, happy New Year's. Go ahead. And if you're in South Carolina, I hope that nothing we said uh, <laughs> requires the device to be removed in order for you to hear us. I'd like to be available in all 50 states. Perfect. We will talk to you guys early next year.